This is the Christmas Stocking. I'm Lee Cameron. Kathleen on Facebook and Twitter. This one's for you. Thank you for listening and for your patience. We're talking nutcrackers. I think when I was a kid, I had no idea what nutcrackers were. I didn't know you had to break walnuts and other things open. I was a modern kid. They just came in a bag or a jar. And then I found out, but I only knew those metal tongs that you squeeze. When my mom showed me the little soldier guy with a funky mouth like a puppet, I was very confused. That thing can crack a nut? Well, no, not a lot of them. They're mostly decoration now. But there are plenty of working ones, too, that are very beautiful. So we're talking about Christmas decorative nutcrackers, which often look like old-timey soldiers, but they don't have to. They could look like any kind of figure, even Clara and the Mouse King from the ballet The Nutcracker, who never themselves turned into nutcrackers in the shell. Spoiler alert. The Nutcracker as a tool is probably in the neighborhood of 600 to 800 years old. The Canterbury Tales mention it. Anne Boleyn received two as gifts from King Henry VIII. There were a lot of designs and versions of Nutcrackers, including a basic, strictly functional design. They often were functional and decorative, though, with things like animals made of brass in India and cast iron in England, porcelain in some areas of Northern Europe. Wood was the dominant material, and that's what the earliest soldier dolls in the late 1600s were made of. Those wooden soldiers weren't really Christmas-themed, but they were often given as gifts. Of course, nuts are commonly served at holiday celebrations, including at Christmas. It's a natural combination. If you've associated nutcracker dolls with luck, you're not alone. That's a German tradition. Here's one popular story. A wealthy farmer decided cracking nuts took him away from his duties, so he offered a reward for a new solution. Folks in the village used the skills they had at hand, so a carpenter said, Saw them open! A soldier said, Why don't you just shoot them? But it was the puppet maker who had the best solution. He built a doll with a strong mouth connected to a lever. Yeah, puppet makers, man. They will always give you the solution. The bad German economy of the early 1800s meant the toy makers hit the road to sell their stuff in other countries like Russia, Poland, and Norway. Folks loved the Nutcrackers, and by the 1870s, they started to be produced in factories. The ballet The Nutcracker was first performed in 1892, but it wasn't such a hit. Not as a show, at least. So Nutcrackers stayed mostly a European tradition. In the early 20th century, the most popular Nutcrackers were animal and human heads from northern Italy. The spread of Christmassy Nutcrackers to the U.S. was spurred by its mid-20th century popularity. The ballet really developed in America and spread across the world, and the Nutcrackers followed. Also, after World War II, GIs stationed in Germany bought them and sent them home. The idea of collecting them in America really grew in the 1950s. When Germany was split in two after World War II, East German woodworkers exported their nutcrackers across to West Germany and they were snapped up by American soldiers. The East Germans had the benefit of government subsidies to make their goods at a much lower price than the West, but their quality suffered. And the government in East Germany required designs to be approved, so they didn't change much. And in the West, West Germany, in order to distinguish themselves from the lower-priced nutcrackers, they got very creative in their designs. In the latter part of the 20th century, nutcrackers were mostly designed for Americans. So you saw mailmen, famous historical figures like Abraham Lincoln, all kinds of things. And they started to be manufactured in places like China and Taiwan. Some of the prominent nutcracker makers now are Steinbach, Ulbricht, and Müller Kleinkunst. I love saying that stuff.
is William Arnold, Dance of the Reed Pipes. He has a podcast of his own, William. He actually calls himself Bill on the podcast, called The Music Instigator. It's about the process of making music. I'll include a link in the show notes at mychristmasstocking.net. Hello, William in Denver, Michelle, Eric in Arizona. Thanks for being part of the page on Facebook, facebook.com slash christmasstocking. Twitter.com at xmasstocking is where I hang out there, and I have lots of news, and it's the best place to find out about the new episodes, too. Stephanie at Steffi Die, D-I-I at the end, at Fallas Mom in Washington, D.C., Sushi Eating Mentor. Do a search on Twitter. That's a hard-to-say handle. Thank you so much for your retweets and spreading the word. The Christmas Stocking is on Google+. Go to mychristmasstocking.net, click the Google Plus link, and you'll get to it. Also, I want you to be on the show. Time is running out. Call me at 323-487-1225 to tell me your Christmas plans, your favorite Christmas memory. Maybe wish Merry Christmas to somebody. I'm Lee Cameron. By suggestion from Stephanie on Twitter, a different Stephanie, at slee7765, we're going to look at the story of the great carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Somehow I missed the fact that it comes from a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I'll tell you more next time in the Christmas Stocking. <laughs>